0: what's up freedom chasers if you are looking to organize and scale your business we have the show for you today our guest over the past two decades has supported over 100 multi-million dollar corporations in restructuring and scaling back to profitability in the past three years she has worked with hundreds of female entrepreneurs helping them start and scale their online businesses and she's going to tell us how she did it right now Welcome to the Freedom Chaser Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. All right, guys, we are super stoked to have Regina Gobinas back on the show again. She's a life and business strategist with 20 years of experience. She's also a speaker transforming ordinary CEOs into extraordinary leaders. Um, Regina, thanks so much for coming back on. Um, let's get right into it. Let's talk about the foundation of a business. Like if you were looking to start a business, what would that foundation look like and what we'll kind of flow from there?
1: You know, the foundation is typically built out of the things that people really don't want to do because they want the excitement of the business, the excitement of making money, but the money is really in those things we the, the repetitive things that we a lot of the times avoid doing. So uh, building a foundation because you can't really build anything thin nice. And even if you do, it will collapse at some point. The more money, the more you pressure, the more time you add something that's not built on a solid infrastructure, eventually it will collapse. So it's just a matter of when it's going to happen. So I believe a solid infrastructure means, first of all, the, the, the money is in the relationships. It means, uh, do you have the correct people by your side, walking with you shoulder to shoulder, helping you scale a business? A lot of people they they get people into their companies that are okay to do the job, but they're not necessarily qualified because maybe they don't have the funds or they don't want to spend the funds. to have qualified people in the right positions. So it's not about having more people in your company. It's about having maybe even fewer people, but the correct people in your company. I would much rather, if you start a business, you invest into one or two people that are support versus five or 10 people that are kind of sort of qualified. That's really going to that's not going to help you grow. Uh, clients. Everybody wants more customers. It means more money. So more customers doesn't mean more money. More customers that are actually paying you in time, that are respecting your terms, that are actually have uh, healthy margins, that's the client that you want. Typically from restructuring point, for example, every time I walked into a company, one of the first things is, you got to fire like 80% of their clients. Nobody wants to pay on time. They, you know, their terms are, i pay when I feel like it and stuff like that. Dude, that's not sustainable. That's not scalable. A client means it has to be profitable. So that's number two. Number three, one of the biggest things that I see is people try to build a business with lack of information of the entire infrastructure. You can only take a business as far as your knowledge will allow you. You cannot grow a business past your knowledge base. So know where your knowledge limits are, know where it's at. And instead of investing time, money, effort, and energy into compiling more and more and more information where you can actually be working in the business, get people next to you that actually have the information. I'm not saying don't learn more, but you have to kind of measure time versus money. If it's, Is it going to take me $10,000 in six months to learn something versus can I collapse time around information by actually getting somebody who can fill that spot and give me everything that I need information-wise and help me move the needle forward in 30 days versus six months. You have to be able to measure time versus money. What is it costing you not to do these things? Another thing is infrastructure is suppliers. If you're running a business, you see you have vendors you got to be able to negotiate. You have to know what the terms are. Are they profitable for your company? What if they're doing? What if their terms are not sustainable for you? What if you need more cash flow up front and you need to push the liabilities forward? So I think those are a lot of things to look at for the businesses because people want to go really fast. But the reality is the success is not in the fast. It's in the slow and steady growth. Because what happens is if you go really fast, what I've seen a lot of times happen is, People miss a lot of subtle signs along the way, and then they've scaled on on thin ice. Basically, a holy crap! There is like this line that there's like this thread of mistakes. We gotta scale back. We have to unpack. We have to unravel. Now that's time. That's money. That's effort and energy. So, growing fast, you have to know what you're growing. Are you growing sustainability? Are you or are you growing chaos fast? Because you're growing something, but what are you growing fast?
0: Absolutely. And hopefully you're not going chaos because that's a nightmare. I've done that before. Um, that is no fun. You wouldn't have enjoyed <laughs> showing up to, to that room. That is for sure. So you said something right towards the beginning. You're like, if you're not running this correctly, it will collapse. And obviously, Regina, this is coming from a, a point of experience. You've, you've helped Fortune 500 companies get out of basically a state of collapse. So for anybody listening, like, I just, I love the confidence when you said that. Like I said, it's a matter of time. Like this isn't something that might happen. It's something that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So like if you could dial it in for the audience to reiterate for them that this is something that's going to happen if they don't figure these numbers out.
1: Yeah, so, you know, just to give a really, really tangible example. So if anybody's like a newer entrepreneur, they don't have a lot of the experience that I'm referring to. Let me give you a, an, um, an example of any relationship, like an intimate relationship. You get into a relationship. If you don't build the foundation from the beginning, at some point, People are going to say, wait a minute. This wasn't a problem then. All of a sudden it's a problem now because you don't set the boundaries. You don't set the pace for the, or the expectations for the relationship. The business is the same way. If you, it, it will collapse at some point like anything else because a solid foundation is like building a home. You have to have something concrete because otherwise even the concept of building, what are you building? right what are you building solid foundation requires knowledge expertise it requires time it requires people it requires all of those things but here's the thing i've also seen that a lot of people want to go fast they will go fast and like i said at some point you're going to have you're going to be forced to scale back because if you're growing from a lack of experience lack of knowledge again you're growing chaos like it or not When it collapses, you will still learn the lessons of of proper entrepreneurship, whether you like it or not. You just have how fast do you learn them and how painful is it going to be? That's completely up to you. And a lot of people, what I've seen is they have the money to invest. They have the money to start the business and they kind of throw the money at the problem without proper knowledge and education. So a lot of the companies that I was looking at that ended up in Chapter 11, there were problems in the company. But before fixing the problems, people they would do you know mortgage their homes or get loans or whatever. They would throw money at the problem without fixing the the foundation. So if the decision making process hasn't changed, you've just added more pro- more money to the problem. Now you've you've escalated the problem. Now the debt is higher. You're still making the same decisions the same way. You're still operating with the same bad clients that don't pay. You still have the. Unfavorable vendor terms. You still have incorrect people working for you. You still have unproductive people. Work, you have maybe great people working in the wrong positions. Now you added money to the problem, but money is not even the solution, right? It's the decision making process. So like anything else, you can build anything you want, but at some point it, it just, it collapses. I've seen this over and over and over again because at the, think about this. What is profitability? It's the decision making ability of the CEO. You know, we can talk about a million items that goes into that, but who decides what items are actually going? It's the CEO, your bottom number, your bottom line, your profitability, your balance sheet, all of those numbers are simply a reflection of the decisions the CEO makes along the way. I mean, that's the simplest way. And that's the truth, right? Because the numbers don't just happen. Somebody creates the the, the decision. Somebody makes the decision. Somebody has to create the outcome of the number. So, The foundation starts with our decision making ability and decision making ability starts from understanding how a business actually works and how money is actually made. And one, that's one thing. Number two is making money and being profitable are two very different things. I have seen people who can make half a million dollars a month and they're left on a negative at the end of the month versus somebody who makes a hundred thousand gross revenue a month. And is end up and is uh, left with10,000 dollars a month profit at the end of the month. So who's more profitable? Who's the better decision maker? You know, everybody chases the number, but is that dollar profitable? What are the margins? What's the overhead? Is there liabilities against it? And nobody really pays attention. like, I've made a million dollars this month. Okay, great. It what did it
0: cost
1: you, Right? What did it cost you to make the million dollars? And a lot of CEOs, they don't want to look at the numbers. I've noticed, I've had the conversation, the numbers scare them. They don't understand the numbers. So if you really want to build a solid foundation, know your numbers. I don't care if, they, if it's all in the red right now, but if you don't know your numbers, how can you possibly make an intelligent, sound, profitable decision for your business? Because you may be operating from numbers. For Your decisions may be based on profitable numbers. What if you're running negative for the last six months? Your decisions are completely irrelevant. So we need to We need to shift the decision-making ability. So part of the foundation is, and entrepreneurs don't want to look at the numbers. They just have a billion ideas. You have Mm -hmm. to know your numbers. Or you have to have people that are qualified enough to put the numbers in front of you on a weekly basis that are concise, that are correct. So you can look at the numbers and say, here's where we're at. Here's where we're going. Because a lot of entrepreneurs don't want to do that. So there's no foundation if you don't even know where where you're at to begin with. If you don't know, your good mm-hmm. starting point. That was a lot of a lot of a lot of info for a short question, but you get it. You
0: get oh, it. I certainly get it. Um, absolutely. So there's like a hundred different ways I want to take this, but like you, you <laughs> were you were leaning so heavily into the decision making ability of the CEO. Do you think that's ultimately the most important thing of an organization?
1: Absolutely. Uh, who's uh, if nobody's driving, where are we going?
0: hundred. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, a hundred. So, and you also reference the concept of who not how earlier when we were talking about getting people in the right places where you could learn something for six months or you could hire somebody that already knows it. Like which of those is a better idea for a business owner, right? So and you also mentioned getting people in the right places is one of the most important things. You might have the right people. You might have them in the wrong place. So how do you make sure that the person that you have is in the right place? And I guess we'll just start there.
1: You know, it's a matter of, first of all, when you hire people, I mean, everybody's resume looks pristine, right? I mean, everybody can can create a resume, but you got to talk to the person. You have to know when you're a CEO, when you're a business owner, when you're an entrepreneur, I I don't care if you have one person working for you. You need to know how to study. You need to be able to assess people quickly because having the wrong people in the wrong place, it's costing you time and money. People really don't seem to measure time very much. But time is costing you, there's time loss, there's money not made, right? All of that stuff. So I think to be a business owner first, you have to be a people person. Like You have to be able to read people and understand it because the amount of time, money, effort, and energy and resources that is wasted of constantly re- uh, changing people from the, you know, the same position because you can't really nail down the process. Take your time, hire the right person, pay them more amount of money. Pay them because a lot of also businesses, they're like, I just want somebody cheaper who's going to do the thing. And let me give you a very tangible example. A lot of people hire bookkeepers in a position where, where an accountant belongs. A bookkeeper doesn't really know how to understand, read, and analyze a financial statement and give you a story based on the numbers. Phenomenal bookkeepers, it's data entry most of the time. They just need to know what to place on which account. Thank God for it, right? But it's a da- bookkeeper is a data entry person. Data entry. And an accountant who can look at the numbers and analyze the numbers. So my position is don't don't hire a bookkeeper for for, for $20 an hour. Hire an accountant for $40, $50, $60 an hour that can actually um, translate the numbers back to you. So you don't have to learn to understand. You can just get the information and make decisions and move fast. You see what I mean? So that's part of knowing where the right people are. Sometimes, and I've seen this all the time, people don't want to spend the money or invest the money in the right people. So the CEO, especially small businesses, they end up trying to understand the numbers and review the numbers and analyze the numbers. And typically an entrepreneur doesn't understand the numbers and the whole flow of it. So how can you even make a decision? So I think you have to be able to read people. You have to know your business. If somebody feels like a no, listen, we are all intuitive beings. We know when it's a no. When somebody feels like a no, don't try to squeeze them into a position because maybe they're a nice guy or a great gal. This is a business find the right people. I think that this is part of the solid infrastructure because you're very often I've seen business owners. They end up hiring people and they end up being the support for the people that they hire. No, this is like as backwards, right? They're there to support you and the business. And again, the CEO's decision-making ability. If we can't even properly decide who to hire, who are we going to trust our company to because you want these people to be able to make logical, sound, financially profitable, intelligent decisions. You don't want to do all of the decision, all of the thinking, on decision-making decision, decision making for everybody. Then this is part of the infrastructure, people. Listen, businesses, I want to say the last thing about the, top, the question. B, uh, businesses consist of only two things. And I don't care what you sell, where in this planet you're located, who your client is. Business consists of only two things, people and money. If you don't have people you don't have a business. If you don't have people that are willing to work with you and you don't have people that are willing to pay you, you don't have a business. If you don't have money to pay your, your staff, or if you don't have um, money that's coming in from clients that are willing to pay you, you don't have a business, right? Business is only two things, uh, money, uh, people and money. And those, those are the foundations. So do you understand money? And do you understand people?
0: Beautiful. Like how simple could you make it? It's like, do you understand money and people? Well, then you can start a business, right? So, I mean, I love how much you lean into relationships here because relationships is something that compounds because you have your internal employee, which mm-hmm. is your employee, all right. You have your external employee, which is your client, and you have your other tertiary employee, we'll, we'll say is like a vendor that is in a similar market to yours. Mm-hmm. So... How do you approach the relationships with your clients themselves, as well as like these tertiary vendors that you could form referral partnerships with? Um, Because I know you're so focused on the relationship. I would love to learn... A little bit more about those two in particular
1: so i believe that relationships are absolutely critical to your business so i'll just use tangible examples from my experience and i want to use critical examples for people to, to really understand the importance of relationships so as somebody who reorganizes companies i've built a lot of relationships with vendors with different um agencies with different just with a lot because i'm not industry specific right so because if I'm reorganizing businesses and I need sometimes like fires or need to be put out, the fact that I nurtured my relationship with these suppliers, the fact that people trust me because I've built the relationship, the fact that I've poured into these relationships, like I knew their birthdays, their anniversaries, their like and I would call, I would do all of that. I nurtured the relationship. So when hell broke loose for my clients, all it took me most of the time is to pick up a phone call, pick up a phone and say, look, this construction client. is is struggling right now. I need some supplies delivered because their vendor cut them off because they're going through chapter 11. Do you mind delivering lumber, steel, whatever it is? You see what I mean? Otherwise, the, the production shuts down. How does it happen? It happens with relationships. It only happens because people know you, people like you, people trust you. People underestimate the power of relationships only because I have built and nurtured so many relationships in so many industries. I've been able to pull clients out of hell and back Really fast because I was able to get on the phone and say because people have history with me, I've certain things you know being done the way that I said it's going to be done. So relationships is really those are the people that are kind of going to come through for you when you really really need something. In terms of clients, another example is when people are running low on cash and you have really extraordinary client relationships. I was able to pick up the phone for a specific client for their client say, look, they're running low on cash. We're having a crunch right now. Can you pay, for example, your $50,000, 70000 bill 30 days prior that it's due? Typically, it doesn't happen. And they would do it every single time almost because I, I could negotiate because they knew I would never ask to call in a favor unless I, how does it happen? Relationships. And also, people will pay more money for the relationship. To give you an example, I always teach my clients, nurture the relationship with your customers. Deliver what you promised, be exactly who you said you're going to be, deliver high value, deliver high quality, deliver an extraordinary product. What that happens is because I teach my clients to provide the entire experience, whether it's a product or a service, people feel safe in the experience. And when people know that your quality is always consistent, actually, it's getting better when people know you're always going to follow through, when people know what to expect from you always without any surprises, they're willing to pay 5, 10, 15, 20% more to you knowing that their stuff is going to get done on time. If it's production, for example, they don't have to babysit you as the supplier. They can go on to running their business. They can go on to making money. They can go on to do because they know you're handling because their business matters to you as much as it matters to them. So now, They're happy. They're willing to pay more for a peace of mind. I have seen people pay more money for a peace of mind, knowing that they don't have to babysit the the supplier. And I think people very much underestimate and undervalue the power of the relationships. Why? Because relationship building takes time. It takes time, money, effort, and energy. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody's so fast that I'm like, build the relationship because you never know what's going to happen. And by, by building the relationships, I was able to keep the production and the, and the businesses going with my clients. And I was able to always get money in that my clients needed to get the money. And when the sky was falling for them, be, why? Because I have built the relationship. I've nurtured. I've invested time. I've sent them balloons, candy, flower, And it was all genuine. Like I knew their birthdays. I knew all that stuff. If you have relationships, your business will be okay, even in the worst of times. Even if you, I've had clients call their customers where we nurture their relationships they say, look, I'm running short on sales. I'm a little, like, very transparent. I tell people, tell people exactly how it is. There's no need for lying. There's no need for bullshit. People respond to honesty and transparency. I am running low on cash. I'm running low. There's nothing on the production floor. I need some jobs. Do you have anything I can pick up from you? People are like, yes, absolutely. I'm happy to help you out. Why? Because the relationship was established, right? Business, mm-hmm. business is relationships. Business and money is relationships. And I think if people invest more time, money, effort into that, they will be much more profitable. They will be much more successful. And at the end of the day, making money is a team sport. You need other people. You're not not selling stuff to yourself and paying to yourself.
0: Nobody can make it on their own forever unless they, they want to get to you know a very small number, basically. Yes, very a, small you number. You need to build a community, essentially. Um, I love this because, I mean, it just leans right into people and money being like the only two things you need to focus on. So let's say I wanted to start some new relationships. Um, let's say business to business as a realtor, right? I want to start reaching out to loan officers and get some referrals. What kind of approach would you take in that regard? Uh,
1: the approach would be... Um, I would do some research and the approach would be, what are they looking for? How may I serve them? It's not about what can you do for me? It's what can I do for you? The approach is always how may I serve you, not how may you, this is what you can do for me. This is always how may I serve you. I believe in giving before asking. I have nurtured my relationships uh, always with uh, giving first before asking, always. Even when I needed nothing, I still nurtured the relationship a lot of people, um, and this is part of the thing that we negotiating, a lot of people, they're kind of pulling their way. Th- this is what I want. What's in it for me? I have never come to the table to negotiate unless it's a win-win. And even when I saw somebody's negotiating uh, against themselves, like literally, and I didn't, they didn't even catch it, I would tell them, you're negotiating against yourself. The better deal is this and this and this and this. That builds trust like nothing else. Because I could have walked away from the table with much more, for example, in my benefit. But the moment you bring it up, because you have to think about long-term versus short-term. So in reaching out to people, it's always about how can I serve you? I know this is what you do. I know this is what I do. And listen, if you just want to get your foot in the door, sometimes I have clients call and say, look, I want to get my foot in the door. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to get a first project. Tell me how to prove myself. Tell me. I'm all about honesty and transparency. Um, I hate playing games. If you want to get your foot in the door, I, what I found is the best way is pick up the phone or go or email. Phone is always better because it's a voice, you know, uh, voice convers- um very organic. It's a voice. You hear each other. Um, tell people exactly what you want and then ask them the question. There's no need to to create. This is not a rocket science project. Tell them, I want my foot in the door. Tell me what to do. And people will tell you what to do. And if they say no, and if you take no for an answer, you don't belong in business. You need to keep going back until you get it.
0: Absolutely. What a great response. I love how you just said, you need to figure out what they want first. Like that was such a perfect answer to that because typically if I was to make that phone call, I wouldn't say, hey, I have something to provide for you. I'd be like, hey, like does your business need right now? Hopefully I have the solution for you or I know somebody that does have the solution for you. And as you said, you just start giving value. And guess what? If you do that enough times, people are going to start giving it back. Mm-hmm. I mean it's really that simple. I mean the right people will give it back. So I mean it's actually a wonderful way to – find the best people to work with. Like, mm-hmm. as you said, finding the right people is really important. If you find people that reciprocate business, it's like, that's somebody yeah. you want to give them business to.
1: <laughs> and, and also what I want out is that people are used to the fact that everybody wants something from them. So when you come from a perspective, look, it's not, I, I'm willing to, I'm willing to prove myself. Like, there's nothing I want from you right now. I just want an opportunity to get my foot in the door. That's it. There's no pressure. There's nothing. And I'm willing to prove myself that I am qualified, I am credible, and I am the one that you need for your business. Now that lands very differently than I want something right now, and you know, and I'm great, and I'm this and that. Let me prove myself to you. Now that's humble, that's integrity. People, there is no pressure on that. You know, also marketing works. Sending, we used to send um, uh, people um, little small gifts, but it was um, it was uh, branded with our client, the, the client's name, and the name of the person who's getting it. Because this way, now they've got something with their name on it. Very often, they're not going to throw, it's something nice. I'm not talking about like, you know, 99 cents or crap. I'm talking about like something nice and good. And when people get it with something with their name on it, and you if it like fits on their desk, they typically keep it. But right next to their name is your name on it. So psychologically, there is a connection. And that works amazing. That w- even, if, even if you never worked with them before, but even if you start sending these, I mean, you're planting the seeds. So when you actually call them six months into this, maybe a monthly gift like that, and six, something useful, make sure it's useful. Six months into this, they're like, oh my God, I remember your name. Now you've given something. You've put in time, money, effort, energy. So when you call, at least you have something to talk about. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, you got a conversation starter. Like, hey, I've been using your cup for six months. Yes. Like, yeah, that's why I sent it to you. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. So let's dial this back a little bit because I feel like we missed knowing your numbers. I think we need to dive deeper into that. I think that there's fewer concepts in business in general that are as important as knowing your numbers. So first off, obviously, get an accountant that can properly advise you on what you're doing and what you're doing wrong. What other things should people be doing in order to not only know their numbers, but to make sure they're making the right decisions based on their numbers?
1: I think it's important to know what you're doing with your, like, where are you going with your business? How do you want to grow it? Where do you want to take it? How, you know, do you want to be big? Do you want to be small? Um, Looking at your numbers constantly should be at least, if not a daily, at least a weekly. It it absolutely has to be. uh, You have to look at your clients, uh, your clients list probably maybe every a month, two months? Are they good customers? Are people paying you on time? Are people not paying you on time? I think it's very important. A lot of uh, business owners, they're afraid to rattle the cage of their client. They're afraid to ask for money. I've seen this a million times. They're afraid to ask for money because what if my client gets upset that I'm asking them for money? They're not going to buy from me again. I've, I see this almost all the time. All the time. I'm Like, listen, if they're not paying you, I don't want them as a client to begin with. So go ask for your money. Get, get your stuff back, right? So uh, you have to you have to be okay asking for your money. a lot of business owners are literally afraid say no to jobs that are not profitable not every job is a profitable job. if you're making 5% margin where the when the industry standard is 1520 because you you can't ask for what you want that's a no because you're running negative I can already tell you that because now you've got overhead and things like that right so I think, The numbers will tell you which decisions to make, short-term and long-term. That's why it's an indicator. You have to look at, are suppliers getting too behind because you're running out of cash flow? That's a problem. you got to pay attention to that. A lot of business owners, they don't want to look at their payables. It's scary. Well, it should be scary. Should, like If you're going from 90 days to, to 120, to 180 days, to 100, whatever. If, if the, the timeline is expanding, you're not able to catch up. There's probably, there's problems in the business, right? So you got to look at that. I remember a client said, look at his financial statement. I said, why is everything in red? I'm like, the fact that you don't know why it's in red, that's a problem to begin with. Forget the fact that it's all in red. But the fact that you're asking me, like this is the first time you're seeing this and you've been in business for 20 years, that's a whole different conversation like we need to have yesterday so that alone can be a problem too so i think without the bottom line is without the numbers what are you deciding you, you can't uh it's like yeah. taking a trip without knowing where you're going where are you going <laughs>
0: Taking a trip without knowing where you're going, playing baseball in the dark. Um, (laughs) You you might hit the ball a few times, but it's probably not going where you want it to. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. This makes a ton of sense. So, Regina, I mean, you're basically a professional problem solver. (laughs) Um, Like you come in, you save companies that are in Chapter 11 time and time again. So let me ask you this question like how many varying types of CEO personalities are there? Because I mean, I'm sure people think there's 30, but I'm I'm thinking there's probably only like four or five.
1: You know, I honestly don't know. I have never looked at it, um, how many actually types, but uh, I think CEO is a fascinating animal. I have a tremendous amount of respect. I don't know who can tolerate chaos the way that I see a real CEO can. Uh, their uh, their threshold for chaos and fear and, and and doubt and insecurity and still be able to show up is absolutely phenomenal i highly re- I, I always say not the animal I highly respect the animal that a CEO is I think they're phenomenal beings. That's why I love working with business owners because they can run in trouble and get out of trouble and mortgage their homes and and all that stuff and still show up to work. Like uh, and and their employees are not even going to know that they're like you know five billion dollars upside down. And I think it's 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 amazing. So I don't know how many personalities, but I know that I greatly respect anybody who is a CEO who's an entrepreneur because it takes a special. Um, nervous system (laughs) to be able to navigate that.
0: Oh, that is without question. So let's put this in a different light then. So like, what are some common opportunities for most CEOs to look to enhance?
1: Uh, Well, before you enhance, again, you have to know where you're at, right? What are you enhancing? I'm always about foundation. I'm all about stability. I'm always about knowing know what your starting point is. And then start, scale smart. It's not about doing more. It's about doing fewer things extremely well. So, for example, if you hit a specific point and maybe like you're selling product, analyze your product. Is everything very profitable? Can we uh, take some of the stuff off the, of the sales list that you're selling? Can we decrease uh, the 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 number of actual, the types of things you're selling or the types of services you're offering, can we decrease that? But actually it increases profitability because it increases margins uh, on the things that are actually making you money, right? So you have to be able to analyze all of these things constantly along the way, because like I said at the beginning, you're, you're, you're always scaling. You're either scaling chaos or you're scaling profitability. You're always scaling, you're always growing something, but what are you exactly growing? So I think being aware of where you're at right now, always looking at uh, things, is the customer profitable? Can I do better, uh, better prices with the supplier? Is every single product unit that we're producing or service that we're offering, is that actually very profitable? So, for example, I'm working with a client now. She is one of the top um, retreat leader facilitators uh, globally. Right, And and we were talking about eliminating the actual retreats that she's running. And I said, listen, you may be making more money per retreat, per unit sold, uh, versus selling just the certification, which may be cheaper. But you get like 95% margin from the selling the certification that's facilitated online. And you get like, what, 20% margin off of facilitating a live event. So what's actually profitable? What's actually making you more money, right? So we shifted the entire infrastructure to maybe... Two events, two live events from ten live events, and and shifted everything to be to her being a a retreat leader certification uh, facilitator. So it may be less money, less uh, less income, less income per unit, much more profitability, much more margins per unit, and. She can facilitate 100 people per certification versus only five, six, seven people. You see what I mean? So you got to be able to look at all those things and say, okay, this was profitable. Then do I really want to continue scaling this way? So you, you always have to look at all of them as moving pieces. It's never just one thing. You got to look at the right people at the right place. You got to look at the profitability. You got to look at the clients paying me on time. You got to look at, are the can I get better terms with supply? Can I get better pricing and longer terms with suppliers? Right? You, it's like shuffling on the board, constantly, constantly shuffling
0: constantly, constantly shuffling. So I'm curious, out of all these companies that you've saved, Regina, like how often has it been an addition by subtraction policy? Because it sounds like almost the majority of them yeah. has been addition by subtraction.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So i worked with the mentor for 17 years doing the reorganizations. And uh, when we'd go in, typically, It is, it is, uh, you got to scale it down because all of them were, listen, if there are millions in debt, clearly they were scaling chaos, right? So you got to, you got to strip it back to not to basics and start again. You have to strip it back to basics and start again. So pretty much, I want to say all of them, you have to do it. A lot of people, a lot of people don't realize, and I want to make this very important. A lot of people don't realize they're scaling chaos or scaling on thin ice until they're saying Oh, shit. And the moment that they can hit that, that, oh, shit point, now they're getting it. You know what I mean? So, but they all get to that place.
0: i say anybody that's had that, oh, shit moments knows exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. and It's the type of people you're working with, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> and you know what? Here's what I want to say. If you're in the, oh, shit phase or you'll ever get there, listen, this is life. It's fine. Business is so organic. It's so okay. Like you're a human being. We're all learning. Like nobody... There's no guide map. This is how you do it, right? We have emotions, we have feelings, we have fears, we have thoughts. I just want people to give themselves grace. The fact that you had the guts to be a CEO or mortgage your house or do this or do that to, to, to go chase your dream. Oh my God, you know, so you gotta scale back down and scale back up. That's that's fine. I mean, give yourself grace and then just just for doing the thing, which a lot of people would never have the 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 personal power to do.
0: Most people would never even try. And even if you fail at it, you gained an abundance of experience and knowledge that you, you can't possibly waste. Mm-hmm. Like even if you fail, you learned something extremely valuable without question. Yes. <laughs> All right, Regina, this has been a ton of fun, man. If anybody in the audience wanted to re- reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do so?
1: Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I think I, I keep everything. just so simple. I love simplicity. Simple makes a lot of money.
0: Simple makes a lot of money and all you need is people and money. There you go. Um, Regina Gobinas, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. Go out there, figure out what your numbers are, and then start making better decisions based on those numbers. Find the right people that can give you the information that you're looking for and do so within the next seven days. Tell somebody you know that can help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one.